But um, this week, and we'll see, <laughs> sometimes I don't know exactly where God is going with things, so we'll, we'll see where this goes. But you know what that's like, Suzanne? <laughs> so um, if you haven't heard the name Derek Prince, um, not to be confused with Joseph Prince, Derek Prince is already has passed into heaven. He ministered. Um, he's British, but became a U.S. citizen and ministered worldwide in um, biblical teaching, particularly on demonology. And it's just a, a really solid, charismatic um, sort of leader and teacher. And this week I got this book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting by Derek Prince. And it's one that impacted Lou Engle when Lou Engle was a kid. And he knew that nations could be changed through prayer. And I know, like some of you, this is already your MO. That's, that's how you pray. But I got to tell you what, as I read the book, I just felt again uh, uh, just this fresh call to be a force in the world, you know? And Derek Prince talks about being salt and uh, in the earth and that salt when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth and we're all so familiar with these things that salt what does it do a couple things it does you, you know the answers to these preserves and brings flavor so Derek Prince says for whom does it bring flavor I was like I actually never thought about that <laughs> what do you think What's that? Okay, so I always thought, yeah, like the, so we're the people who have something, and salt makes you thirsty, so I always think, well, you know, we flavor the earth so that the unbelievers will go, oh, you're so happy, you guys are so peaceful, or whatever, and it'll be flavorful, but actually, um, one of Derek Prince's points was, it flavors the earth for the Lord, because it's the only thing that makes the earth palatable to him because of sin. So when Christ left and sent the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit now indwells each of us. And so Holy Spirit is the thing, he's the one that keeps the whole system from imploding. So you and I are way bigger and way more important in, in the sense of the Holy Spirit is keeping the earth until the man of till he's withdrawn and the man of lawlessness right second thessalonians when the man of lawlessness and sin is revealed when he that antichrist the antichrist of antichrists cuz obviously the antichrist spirit has been at work all these all this time when that when the holy spirit is withdrawn and that antichrist who wants who will demand the whole world worship him then that, that effect will be that the end will be there, right? But for now, the salt is preserving the earth. You and I, Holy Spirit in the church of Jesus Christ, is preserving the earth and giving it flavor. Obviously, we don't completely stop corruption. <laughs> we can see that, right? The effect of the salt is sprinkled throughout. So here's an interesting concept. Do you all remember the story 
of Abraham in uh, Genesis 18, where the Lord says, I am going down to Sodom because the stench of it has come up to me, and I'm going to see if I'm going to destroy it. Remember that? And Abraham walks, walks with the Lord and starts to barter with God and say, uh, actually, I'll just read part of that because it's so, it's uh, Genesis 18, 16 to 33. It's just good to actually read the words because they're very familiar to us, but there's stuff that we miss. So the three, the three men went, um, got up to leave, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them, the three strangers that Abraham and, and Sarah fed, to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Okay, so last a couple weeks ago, we talked about partnership with God, right? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Because we're friends. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised him. And the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see what they have if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. And the men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abram approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? This is such an amazing interaction. Abraham says, you're the God of righteousness. Everything that you do is about making people righteous so they can have access to you. Are you going to kill the, the righteous with the unrighteous and treat them the same? It's so powerful that Abram knows the tr- these truths about God. Because God could have just gone and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But he is looking to build Abraham and to interact with Abraham and to work on the earth. He works on the earth through people more than he works sovereignly. He's working on the earth through people. So when we know what he's like, like on the way to the wedding last Saturday, it was pouring rain in Hope. And this is an outdoor wedding. And Chelsea was already in Langley with her girls. And she texted me and she said, it's raining in Langley. Or it's, it was sprinkling at the time. And I just said, I looked back at my text after and I said, it will stop. And the whole way there, hey, Gord, I'm just declaring in the car, and I'm like, none of these, you know, a lot of these kids don't know you, and you will, you will give a witness and a testimony of the greatness of God and what you've done in their lives. And we got there, and the event coordinator looks at me, and they hadn't put the stuff outside yet, and she says, I've just been waiting for you guys to come and make the decision. She says, but look, I think we're going to be okay. And I was like, yes, 
yes. And the sun came out in the ceremony. The day before, it was 26, and we were at the rehearsal, and it was way too hot. People would have passed out if it had been that hot. And it was, it, but it was like, I felt like, I felt like Abraham. I was like, God, you use these things to bring glory to yourself and to show there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked. There is. You know, the Joshua Project, I used to say, if I had little kids still, and my kids are out in the cul-de-sac playing, and some danger comes, I'm going after all the kids, but I'm going after my kids first. I'm going to save my kids. I'm going to be looking at, okay, have I got all three? And bring them in. And then I'm looking for the other kids. I mean, I love all the kids. I'm going to grab whoever is near me and get them out of danger. But God is the father, and he is the father of humanity, but he is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way for us to become part of his family under the covenant. He looks out for us. And I think it, that realization, the humility that comes with knowing how on earth, I, all weekend I was just all week for weeks, I've been saying, like David, God, who am I and who is my household that you have blessed us so much, right? And then saying to the kids, even if it isn't always like this, this is what his heart towards us is even when it may not look this good. And I think the humility of that, just to say that we can start to pray things into the earth, pray things into our community more, pray things into our nation. You know, we had Captain Canada there at the beginning of the service, Bill. Captain Canada was here, and uh, he appeared last year at my house. And uh, to pray for the nation of Canada... So here's the thing with, uh, with Abraham and the Lord. He goes from 50. What does he go down to? Bargains. Down to? Do you remember? Ten. So he goes um, 50, and I think then 45, and then, and then he's like, well, but then for the sake of Five, you're gonna destroy the city. So um, I didn't do this research, but Derek Prince said, you know, in another place in the Promised Land, you remember when the Israelites disobey God and they don't. Uh, someone's stolen treasure, Achan's stolen treasure, and they go to to take Ai, the little city of Ai, and they fail because someone has disobeyed God and kept something back that should have been destroyed. So that little little town was 12,000 people. So Sodom and Gomorrah were more important, significant cities. But if we said, just for argument's sake, God was not going to destroy a, a, the ultimate sort of epitome of with the wicked city for the sake of 10. So let's say Sodom was 10,000 people, which would be a low estimate. For the sake of 10, that's 1 to 1,000, the ratio. That one righteous person in the presence of 1,000 wicked is preserving the mercy and the goodness of God. Does that blow you away a little bit? It blew me away. So the Bible likes to use that 1 and 1,000. 1 puts 1,000 to flight. 2, 10,000 goes up actually exponentially. So I'm not going to try to figure out God math on that one. 
but you have an incredible influence as a righteous person, someone who is in Christ, who carries the Holy Spirit. And we together, as we agree in prayer, have tremendous influence and power. I, I was so convicted as I read this because honestly, in the last few years, I have complained about our government more than I have prayed for them. I'm just going to tell you. I, I'm, I've, been, I've stopped complaining about them, but I haven't filled that gap with more prayer for them. I mean, I, I pray for them, but not like I ought to. And not because I'm believing that the Holy Spirit wants to do such a work through us. Do you know what I mean? It's like we know, but we, we don't step into it fully. Am I alone in this, or are you? Get, are you I, I, I have not stepped into this as someone who says, uh, like Derek Prince, we can change history here. And we know that in our heads. But to actually say, for the sake of 10 righteous people, God was going to spare this wicked city. And that the righteous have such an impact, a preserving impact, so that the goodness and the mercy of God will be extended to the wicked. So Derek Prince tells a couple of stories of um, God answering prayer in several nations because they were all over the world and they lived in Jerusalem in 1948 and they were in Jerusalem when the Palestinians came in and literally every neighbor you know the story every neighbor of Israel swore they would eradicate her and push her into the sea that she would not become a nation and prophetic people around the world said this is it. This is the time. Can a nation be born in a day? And people got a hold of that and began to pray. And they actually lived, um, Lydia and Derek lived in Jerusalem at the time in the old city with eight adopted daughters. And they set up camp in their backyard. And there wasn't an IDF yet. There was a volunteer military group. And they were not trained and they were not all high tech like they are today. They were, they were a ragtag bunch in the face of all the Arab nations around them trying to kill them. And they began to pray. The, the princess began to pray. And one day, the, Lydia said, I am praying that, the, 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 just by the Holy Spirit, she said, I am praying that the Arabs will be paralyzed. And they, they, they actually had soldiers in their living room, and a few days later came to them and said, we don't understand what's going on. We are so outgunned. And we are going in and taking places that it's, it's literally impossible to take. And like Richard was saying this morning, nothing is impossible with God. And the kids said to them, the soldiers said to them, it's like they're paralyzed. They're standing there with all their equipment and they couldn't use it. Well, Israel has seen this repeated time and again, right? Six-day war. They, they've seen it. The faithfulness of God to his covenant people. He's not done with Israel. Romans were just there, right? Learning about God is not done with Israel, but Holy Spirit-led prayers and people who believe that God can change one, one person praying or a whole group of people in unity praying is a massive thing. So another time, Derek Prince is in Kenya, and he's a teacher at a, a teacher training school, te training teachers 
he, I think he was, uh, I don't want to say, I think he was high up in, I don't know if he was the dean of Princeton, but he was high up in Princeton in, in the U.S., went to Kenya, training teachers, and um, right about 1963, a lot of African nations got their independence, and it did not go well. They just, they just had terrible rebellions, and the, the, when the, the British or the French or the Portuguese withdrew, there was not a lot of infrastructure to keep things in place, and the, the nations went into great um, civil unrest, and there was a lot of blood and death. And in Kenya, they had a prayer meeting, and they just said, we are going to pray in the man who will lead Kenya. And they did. And they prayed him in, and the, one of the young students had a vision of four red horses coming to attack Kenya. And he, he said it was just like the Holy Spirit took over the whole meeting, and they prayed, and everyone was praying at once, and praying in, in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and this the volume, and the, it just crescendoed, and whoosh, it got cut off. And this young man comes up and says, I saw these four red horses, and they're coming to attack Kenya. And God says, because of tonight, it will not take place. And then in the following months, Tanzania, every one of their neighbors, Uganda, every one of their neighbors came to attack them and were foiled. And that president, Kenyatta, rose up and led the nation it was the only nation in, in Africa which was that was prospering at the time and, and did for decades after that because of the prayers of the people of God. So I just, I do not want to, you know, as we get older, <laughs> I don't want to miss out on anything. It's like if God has called us to be here in this time, in this place, to bring about his purposes in this area or in a larger area, this church has a history uh, with Steve and Bruce of influencing China. Like this church has a history of, of prophetic words that have come forward that have influenced nations already. And I just feel like we are on, we're at this place of invitation that God is just saying, what if, what if, what if you set your hearts to, to listen to me, and, and I know we do, just in a whole new way to say we are way bigger than we think because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and that he has things. I'm not saying go out and make up things and put Jesus' name on them. You know, the seven sons of Sceva were sons of a priest, but it didn't sound like they knew Jesus, Right? And they try to cast out demons using the name of Jesus. And the demons say, Jesus we know. Paul we're familiar with, but who are you? Right? We have to be in Christ. Demons beat them up and left them bleeding. We don't have to be afraid. But, the, but not doing what we are invited to do is, is, a, is a big loss on our part. And God... You know, the, the scripture that God looked for a man to stand in the gap and didn't find one. I don't want to be the person who was supposed to be in that gap. So, um, Paul says to Timothy, 
Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving thanks. Those are basically all different kinds of prayer. And he says, pray for all men. And I, I just, I, I sort of feel like uh, God is trying to shift our eyes from me in my backyard to the global, the global harvest field to say, there's so much more I want you guys to be invited into and activate you into to influence and affect history, not just the things that we, you know, are in our, in our own spaces, in our own area of influence. Our area of influence is we're being invited to put out our, pull out those tent pegs, right? So that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, and then for kings and all who are in authority. Well, in Canada, we don't have a king, but we have a prime minister and a cabinet. We have all, all of the form of government from national to provincial to local that um, we can be influencing. And he says, so the very first thing he says specifically is pray for government. And so I, I just want to invite us on the day after Canada Day to pray for our governments more. Like this is a very specific um, exhortation and that if we have good governance, then the gospel can go out. It will go out under persecution. It goes out differently. But that good government means that the gospel can go out freely, that there's freedom of speech, and that we are able to preach the gospel and bring the kingdom. We haven't done that so well with the freedom we have enjoyed. And I think that God, there's a saying that says, we get the government we deserve when I hear that, I, I, I believe, as the believers, we're getting the government we deserved because we haven't, we haven't stepped into the authority that Christ has given us to shape government and shape the nation. And that's not a guilt trip, but it is an invitation to say, if we're conscious of it, of our authority and the invitation we have to, to do this, that we would step into it more. Jesus has a rod of authority on earth, and he yields, he wields the rod of authority through his people. That we don't do what we want, but if we do what he says, he will bring his authority to bear on the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of men, because that's how he's designed it. Therefore, 2 Corinthians says, we do not lose heart, and I think... Um, that is, uh, that is with all of the news that we have going on, is not to lose heart, but to say we can, we can have an influence on our nation. I just want to read you a letter that um, was written in 1863 by Abraham Lincoln. And it's actually his letter, uh, was pro the Senate proposed this, and it kind of gives you a flavor of how much times have changed in 150 years, but that 
even if a nation wasn't willing to do this, the church could. And, and it has under, under the, the movement that just um, happened, um, prayer and fasting for the nation. But um, I, I want to read this. The language is a bit antiquated. So, whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. This is the president. And in so much as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all of these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with this request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I do by this proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation fasting and prayer, and I do hereby request that all people abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping that day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessing. No less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Lord, I, I just um, I ask you to move the hearts of Canadians. God. 
move the hearts of Canadians, that we would know that the, that the people of God would know that you are a God who loves mercy, God, and that you, you are preserving our land because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your children. And God, that you will hear our cry even as we cry out, cry out for our district, cry out for this council and mayor, cry out for our premier, cry out, Lord, for our provincial parties, cry out for our federal parties and the state of our country, Lord, that we believe you are a God who hears and answers prayer and that you invite us just as you invited Abraham and Daniel and Nehemiah who served under wicked, ungodly governments and in very difficult situations and saw your hand of redemption come and hearts turn and a witness of the power of your love and your mercy um, went out in the earth. And so, God, I, I pray for an awakening. I pray for awakening, Lord. We've been praying for a spirit of repentance, Lord. And it starts, judgment starts with the house of God. So, God, would you break our hearts afresh? Lord, it's summertime and we're all off doing fun things and, and uh, it, we need the refreshing. But, God, would you also call us to you in our prayer closets to hear you and to, Lord, to make, put down a stake for eternity in this land and say, you were here through the power of your church in hope and you shaped the land and you turned it for good because only you can. So Lord, in your mercy and grace, I pray you would stir our hearts, stir our hearts, stir our hearts. Help us like Hezekiah to spread the letter before you and say, doesn't look good, but we're not looking at the letter. We're not looking at the enemies. We're looking at you. We're looking at you. And you are a God who is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in love. So, Lord, uh, yeah, raise up, raise up, raise up the church in Canada and raise up the church right here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.